Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It's my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Antonia Yuhas. She is an energy analyst, author, and investigative reporter. She has recently wrote and written a profile of Donald Trump's nominee for Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, uh, former CEO of ExxonMobil. You can find it at In These Times magazine and probably learn more about Tillerson by reading that than if you watched his confirmation hearings. Antonia Yuhas, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so, uh, first of all, Tillerson is in Congress and ExxonMobil is in court, uh, although I don't know if you heard much about the latter during the former uh, confirmation hearings. What, what is ExxonMobil doing in court at the moment? Well, they're probably in more court at the moment than we could count on both of our hands and feet, but... Um, one case in particular is um, awaiting the court date, and that's a case that is going to be tried um, in D.C., just a few blocks from where Tillerson was testifying yesterday. Um, and this is a really important case, um, which I opened my article with, because I uncovered that it's a case that Rex Tillerson is actually named in, and it's one of the most renowned because of the level of horror involved human rights abuse cases against any oil company anywhere, and it involves a complaint that from 2000 to 2004, while Rex Tillerson was first senior vice president and then president of ExxonMobil, that ExxonMobil employed private security forces that were uh, essentially privatized members of the Indonesian military to um, protect its natural gas facility in Aceh, Indonesia, and that those security forces engaged in extreme human rights abuse, including murder, including torture, including sexual assault, um, over the course of that period of time, and that those actions were known uh, to executives at ExxonMobil, and that in spite of knowing those abuses, those executives chose to continue to use those forces. And in one of the cases I cite, and these are all John Doe's because they're all afraid of their lives, um, John Doe number two recounts a story that he was captured or kidnapped by Exxon security forces, um, taken away for three months, tortured, shown a large pit filled with human heads, and warned that that would happen to him. Uh, he survived. Unfortunately, that didn't happen to him, only he, he alleges to have his house burned down later by those forces. And um, basically, um, this is a case that only ended, uh, the torture only ended in 2004 because a giant tsunami hit Aceh in December 2004, wiping out Aceh, although Exxon's um, natural gas operations were untouched, and that ended the... Um, uh, independence movement that had been raging there and because there was really basically no longer an Aceh, and that ended the conflict. But Exxon never argued in this case that it's been fighting now for 15 years that the human rights abuses did not occur. Rather, it argues it is not liable for them. Wow. 
And, and I, I caught a little bit of the hearing a few blocks from where that court case will be heard. Uh, and uh, I, I saw numerous senators encouraging Rex Tillerson to be more militaristic, to be more willing to advocate using the U.S. military and other militaries, Ukraine's military, for example. Uh, and I didn't, in the at least the bits I saw, uh, see any mention uh, of these crimes in Indonesia. Did it come up? Indo- the crimes in Indonesia did come up. There's actually, um, but but not the fact that Rex Tillerson is named in that complaint. Um, there was some really excellent questioning by many uh, Democratic senators and also um, Senator Rubio of Florida, who really hit Tillerson hard on his relationship uh, to Russia and to Vladimir Putin, saying, um, you know, we know what has happened in Aleppo. Uh, we know what has happened in Crimea. And, and would you say that um, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal? And Tillerson would not say that and would not say that about any country or dictator with whom uh, he does business. Um, uh, and, and many places were cited. Um, Angola, Equatorial Guinea, um, also, Tillerson's partnerships with um, Saudi Arabia, you know, sort of across the world. Tillerson basically responded to almost every question in that hearing as he would have as the CEO of Exxon, which he was until 11 days ago. And I think that was, um, I think it was fairly shocking for many of the senators who were expecting to see a candidate for Secretary of State show up, but instead, the person who arrived was the CEO of the world's largest oil company, and that's the way he answered questions. And I believe that that is very telling because I believe that that is who he will be uh, if nominated is just simply a continuation of his role as CEO of an oil company, and he will now carry that attitude, approach, and behavior uh, into office if if he is, in fact, um, given the nomination. Okay, let's talk about that. But first, I I just want to get clear what it is that you see as wrong regarding Russia and Saudi Arabia, because here's a guy applying for a job working for the biggest war maker on Earth, the U.S. government, (laughs) which happens to be Saudi Arabia's weapons dealer. uh, Mm -hmm. And he's being asked if someone else who wages wars is a war criminal. How could he possibly answer yes without uh, answering that the United States military is a war criminal what 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 is the meaning well he wasn't asked that question and if he was asked that question then he should have to answer to secretary of state as well um he is not currently in the u.s government he's being asked his opinion uh, as someone who wants to be inside the u.s government what's he what he thinks Uh, and so if we believe that we want to see arms ended from the u.s to saudi arabia then it's probably not a good idea to put in place a secretary of state who partners with Saudi Arabia in his own business. Uh, And it would have, I would imagine, no qualms of continuing that practice. Um, If we believe that Russia has acted uh, criminally in Aleppo, which I believe that it has, um, then we would likely not see a change in policy uh, or we would actually, I mean, right now we have sanctions against Russia for its activities in Crimea. Um, we would probably see a much more favorable approach to um, the handling of Russia with a Secretary of State who has deep ties to Russia. Um, so if, we're, if the question is, 
Are we hoping to have a Secretary of State who will challenge the ills we currently have within the U.S. government? This is not that Secretary of State. Yeah, well, I, I I I can go along with that. I'm just it just seems the one glimmer of possible silver lining in this almost most comically disastrous nominee ever uh, is any hesitation to go full bore uh, along with the the demonizing of Russia in the new Cold War. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when ties to Russia would have been considered a, a wonderful thing. Right. I certainly don't want to see a continuation of an, a, a, re, a return to a more aggressive Cold War, but I also don't want to pretend about what Russia is today and what Vladimir Putin is today. And I certainly do not want to see uh, drilling in the Russian Arctic. One thing I certainly know about Vladimir Putin is he uh, is a crappy oil executive, and the, his activities and the way that he drills for oil uh, in Russia with the state-controlled oil companies is horrific for local populations, for the environment, for the climate, in in the Arctic in particular. And now uh, if, if Rex Tillerson becomes Secretary of State and he persuades Donald Trump to lift the current sanctions against Russia, uh, that will open up massive uh, holdings for ExxonMobil and allow ExxonMobil to start drilling in the Alaskan Arctic. And uh, I, I certainly don't trust that decision to be made about how to drill appropriately, if at all, where I don't, which I think it is not at all, <laughs> yeah. should be done in the Arctic, uh, to have that decision made by Rex Tillerson and Vladimir Putin. Yeah, yeah, we may avoid war with Russia and uh, destroy the planet by other means. Um, we're, That's right. We're speaking with Antonia Yuhas, who's written a, a important profile of Rex Tillerson in In These Times magazine. You can find it online at In These Times. Um, Antonia, what about this this other form of, of killing people that at some point is going to overtake uh, deaths in the world from war, and, and that is climate change. Uh, I, my senator from Virginia, Tim Kaine, was asking Rex Tillerson about this, and, and Tillerson was essentially refusing to reply to questions about his his role at ExxonMobil and ExxonMobil's role uh, in lying about climate change and, and creating climate change. Yeah, we saw this um, throughout the hearing, which again was Tillerson answering as the CEO. He was being careful in legal language because his corporation is facing lawsuits on what it knew when about climate change and what it did with that information. I mean, he did the same thing on sanctions. He's facing lawsuits on sanctions. And he continually responded to questions as someone out to protect the interests of ExxonMobil, not someone who was trying to make himself the best candidate he could for Secretary of State, which I thought was, you know, sort of amazing. And uh, on, on climate change, he did give some answers later on, which were actually quite clear and quite consistent with his position, which is that he he publicly acknowledges the reality that burning fossil fuels harms the climate. And that's great. But then where he goes with that information and what he said to the Senate was, well, okay, we know that this phenomena happens, but one, science cannot predict the future impacts on the climate of climate change. Uh, science cannot link severe weather patterns to climate change. And he said both of those things in the hearing. 
He also said that climate change is not an imminent threat to national security the way others believe it is. So what what is consistent with that, which was what he has also said consistently elsewhere, is that he believes that climate change is a future risk. It's a future risk that can be dealt with through technology, through adaptation, and at the end of everything, it doesn't really matter because he believes that oil and natural gas will be the predominant resource for energy moving forward and stop. And so he's... Um, you know, basically acknowledges the reality of what happens when you burn fossil fuels. Uh, and that's basically it. And that's, again, consistent with his position as the head of the world's largest oil company. Um, and so, you know, I, I just, in terms of a protector of the climate, there is no way this is the man for that job. And as Secretary of State, he would, of course, lead our negotiations. And, you know, climate change isn't just about... Um, you know, the, the, the severe impacts of climate change are costing lives, of course, today. The estimate is about 400,000 people a year annually are now dying as a direct result of climate change. It also, of course, aggravates war. And we know that one of the aggravating impacts that has led to the civil war in Syria, for example, is the extreme drought in Syria, which led people out of the rural uh, areas into the city uh, we also know, I mean, just to get back to a different part of Rex Tillerson's story, obviously the war in Iraq was a significant contributing factor to the war in Syria and, of course, to the rise of Islamic State. And if there's one corporation that probably had the biggest hand in helping to, at a minimum, guide the Iraq war and ensure that it and other Western oil companies, but particularly itself, emerged as victors of the Iraq war, is ExxonMobil, which um, had a hand from the very beginning uh, in the most intimate planning of the war, uh, is, at least as far as it related to oil, and then emerged um, as the contract holder for one of the largest oil fields on the entire planet, the West Warna oil field, uh, at, at, uh, in 2009, after some pretty hard-nosed negotiations to try and get the best deal they could out of uh, the Iraqi government. So... Um, to then have Rex Tillerson talk about how he's going to be the person who will, you know, defeat Islamic State when one of the things we know for sure is that one of the, the largest contributing factors to anti-American sentiment, well, particularly in the, in the Middle East and Central Asia, is wars that people were well aware were not about their stated goals, yeah. uh, but were about lots of other things, including uh, oil. And um, to have the executive of one of the largest beneficiaries of that war now in the, at the State Department saying that he's going to be the person to pursue human rights and end Islamic State and, uh, you know, take on the war in Syria, I think uh, is, is, is not remotely laughable. It's, it's somewhat horrifying. It's, it's it's horrifying, but it wasn't horrifying to every voter. Uh, Donald Trump advocated that uh, the, we ought the, we that the U.S. government ought to have done a better job of stealing their oil, not buying it. You know, stealing right. it, right. Uh, and and uh, you know, where helpful, kill more families and so forth. And and this is a yeah. guy who you know, the, according to according to the general pretense, uh, one 
the the democratic support of the U.S. public and is now putting his nominees before the Congress, which over the past two centuries has been made generally subservient to presidents. Uh, you know, to what extent are are senators just going to go along with this? What is the you know what sort of opposition is is actually likely, uh, you know, not just uh, outside the, the Capitol and a few protesters in the room, but, but from senators? You know, it's very hard to tell. Obviously, ExxonMobil has spent a lot of money, and in particular this year, um, it topped almost its historic records on spending um, in the U.S. Congress. And in fact, the only other year that it spent more money was in 2008 and 2009 to defeat the uh, climate legislation um, that um, President Obama had put into place. What I think happened was that in this election, the oil industry uh, first put its money behind Jeb Bush, and when Jeb Bush was no longer a candidate as a whole, the industry then put its money behind Clinton. Um, but what Exxon did, and what a lot of other oil companies did, wasn't put their money behind Clinton. They put their money into taking the Congress for Republicans. And Exxon itself spent $1.5 million on that goal versus only 170000 on the presidential race in total. And so when they saw that it was either going to be Clinton or Trump, they neither of whom they actually wanted, uh, they took the, took the Congress. And so these members of the Senate who are voting... Uh, many of them have received a lot of money, um, certainly way more the Republicans than the Democrats. Democrats do receive oil and gas money, but it's generally, um, you know, generally the oil industry gives somewhere between 80 and 90 and 100 percent of its money to Republicans. Um, so there is money there and there is influence there and certainly exercised by Exxon. And we saw that somewhat on display in the committee hearing, though many Democrats asked very excellent questions, and the fact that there wasn't another hearing today, there was a there was supposed to be another hearing today for Tillerson, and there was not. And I believe the reason for that uh, was that he really bombed yesterday, and they needed to take him back and try and do some damage control. But I also think that um, Senator Corker, who is the head of the committee, um, is, is not at all certain that he would get... Um, that he would get Tillerson through his committee, and he does not want to have a vote until he's sure that that is the case. Then, so I think that all the Democrats may be leaning to vote against him, and if uh, Marco Rubio also votes against him, then he wouldn't make it out of committee. Um, you know, I, I, I was very uh, unhappy when um, Senator Cory Booker came in, who had just made this very historic stand against Jeff Sessions in one committee hearing and then showed up uh, in this hearing and sort of laid praised on Tillerson's lap and said that he thought he'd get confirmed, and that was absolutely the most disheartening moment in the hearing. But I don't think it's clear either way uh, which way it's going to go on Tillerson. Do you, do you happen to know if Booker is a recipient of ExxonMobil's generosity? I don't, but I do know that he has presidential aspirations, and yeah, you know, maybe 
He, you know, I don't know. He, yeah, I don't know. He's he's been an unreliable character since long before he made it to Washington. Um, I I should say that we are recording this on Thursday the twelfth. So when Antonia says today, oh. uh, that is a reference to uh, Thursday the twelfth of January. Uh, it's encouraging to me uh, that there is some doubt here. Um, but it's interesting that in this past week there's been these questions in the news about Tillerson's the legitimacy of Tillerson. You know, cutting off his ties to Exxon Mobil and eliminating conflicts of interest, and the same with Donald Trump. And my impression, I'd like to hear uh, from you, Antonia, is that neither one of them has really done this. But when it comes to the Congress members, some of them asking these questions, it isn't even a topic. It isn't even on the radar that they should avoid conflicts of interest, is it? Yeah, absolutely, and that would be really wonderful. You know, um, Oil Change International has for a very long time been heralding the call for the separation of oil and state. And I think that is a great way of looking at this, that we really need to remove. In the way that there have been amazing campaigns to separate um, mem- elected officials to say uh, on tobacco money, if you take tobacco money, you know, we won't vote for you. And that was a very effective strategy on um, severely hampering the influence of big tobacco on the Congress. Um, you know, a similar move for oil would be very... Um, influential. Um, You know, I think that Tillerson actually did more, far more than Trump has done. There isn't really any comparison in making actually a fairly significant gesture of separating his immediate financial ties to Exxon. He had this uh, glorious golden parachute um, that was part of the part of it was that it would um, uh, have taken 10 years for him to fully divest his stock holdings from ExxonMobil. And instead, they took all that potential future gain, put it into a $180 million uh, trust, or they will do this if he gets nominated. And the limitation on that trust is that he can't invest that money in Exxon for 10 years. So that's better than what it was, but that's certainly not a separation. And for one thing, Ten years sounds like a lot to you and I. Ten years is nothing in oil might. Uh, the oil industry, they look 20 years, 50 years in the future. A 10-year ban uh, isn't really much of a ban at all. It, moreover, Rex Tillerson has lived his entire adult life at ExxonMobil, and that's standard for Exxon executives. He was recruited straight out of UT Austin, uh, fresh out of college. He spent his entire working life there. Exxon is a company that is referred to as employees, as Mother Exxon. Um, There is a real insular culture about this company, and I believe firmly that it's not just about the money for him and that this man will be tied to this company. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of money there. His his salary last year was like $25 million, I think it's $25.7 million. Uh, which is 500 times the median you know, income for the average American, and he would fit very well into what is now the uh, wealthiest cabinet in U.S. history. But um, I don't think that's what it's all about for him. And so I think that he's going to do what he needs to do to make Exxon stronger. And for one reason, he's leaving Exxon in way worse shape than when he got there. And uh, I don't think he likes that. And one of the biggest deals that he accomplished as CEO of Exxon was this huge deal with Russia for all of these holdings. And he can't, Russia can't bear the fruits of that labor 
until the sanctions are lifted. And so I think at a minimum, he wants to make sure that that happens, you know, for Mother Exxon. But if he still has ties to Exxon and plans of future wealth from Exxon, uh, and he's Secretary of State, uh, and and Russia or any other foreign government uh, or any domestic government uh, gives him favors uh, that enrich Exxon or emoluments in the terms of the drafters of the Constitution, uh, doesn't he face the same sort of uh, of charges and potential impeachment as? Donald Trump is already hearing from uh, activist organizations who say that his conflicts of interest are an impeachable offense from day one. Trump's, uh, Trump has done nothing compared to what Tillerson has done. Sure. Um, so, you know, Trump absolutely um, ha- has basically done nothing. He also has, though, you know, very different legal bars that he has to cross. Um, Tillerson did make a, a, a significant shift in his financial holdings with ExxonMobil. Uh, they're not insignificant. And it would, you know, I think if, if we're going to make a comparison between Tillerson and Trump, Trump should... Yeah, yeah, clear, got it. But but what I'm, I I understood. But what I'm wondering is whether what Tillerson has done puts him in the clear, makes him constitutional. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I think certainly, um, you know, even following the Constitution, he would only have the the legal bar, uh, at least as far as the Senate is concerned, is he would only have to recuse himself for one to two years of his term from dealings that are specifically with Exxon. And I think the challenge with someone like Tillerson is, first of all, after those two years, that's ridiculous that he could then be making decisions that are directly relevant to Exxon. Um, But also, Exxon partners with every oil company on the planet just about. It works in 200 countries on the planet. Um, It has dealings with uh, it has done dealings with countries against whom we have sanctions while we have sanctions, such as Iran, such as Syria, such as the Sudan. So does that mean that Tillerson should, and I think it probably does, recuse himself from decisions involving every oil company, involving every country? Because he has a personal stake, and he could even have a financial stake because that block, uh, the, the trust fund only limits him from investing in Exxon. He could invest that Exxon. Uh, that trust fund in Chevron tomorrow. Right. Well, Exxon partners with Chevron. So, um, you know, I, to me, he did, he did say that he would divest all of the, all of the stocks that he currently owns. And he owns a lot of stocks. <laughs> we saw the stock report. He invests in everybody. Um, he said he would sell the Exxon stock. Um, you know, I think it's very, this is the problem with putting the CEO of the world's largest oil company into the U.S. government. And that, you know, is, is, it, is it at all remotely possible to imagine that he won't have these other agendas? And I don't think it is. And so, you know, I don't think you put someone like this in office for that very reason. He's not a servant of the public in any imaginable, you know, frame of that term. Um, and he's an absolutely inappropriate choice. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that John Bolton should be Secretary of State because he's number two. So, you know, it's not like we have a great list that we're choosing from here. Um, but, you know, yes. he's not... 
he's not my choice. He's a, he's a walking disaster, and you lay that out very well in your article. Um, and then you and I wouldn't put him in that office, but uh, I can't imagine any of these senators questioning him uh, being free of similar conflicts of interest. So it's, you know, it's a rotten government that needs major reform uh, and needs light shown on it, uh, as you've been doing. Antonia Juhas is an energy analyst, author, and investigative reporter. Read about Rex Tillerson in her article at In These Times. Antonia, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thanks for having me, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.